When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett. And joining us today, like he did on Tuesday, PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. How are you both doing today on a Friday? Doing great. Getting a nod and a great. And uh, this is, I just want to preface this uh, by saying this is normally a sit-start uh, conversation. Uh, we're going to roll through each team uh, and give you a quick take on some kind of fantasy dilemma that you or others, uh, family members, friends, coworkers might be facing. Um, this There's been a lot of late-breaking news. We're recording this uh, Friday afternoon, late afternoon. Uh, already uh, major players, sudden announcements out for this week. Uh, one possibly also out next week. Uh, you know, in, in March Madness, we talk about survive and advance. Uh, in fantasy football, it's please lo- don't let the, uh, you know, latest news story impact my player and advance, uh, which is kind of a clunky way of saying if we don't hear anything about our players these days, that's a good thing. Um, and so if you hear about your player today, don't freak out. Uh, just it might mean have a backup plan. Uh, starting with the Colts and Bills, uh, Tommy, throwing it to you. I've got this uh, bold take on Michael Pittman this week being a sit, going yeah. up against the best uh, pass defense based on opposing QB rating since 2009, the Bills. Uh, am I overreacting to a great Bills defense, or is Michael Pittman someone that fantasy managers should be concerned about? I mean, I, I think Michael Pittman is that good. I think he can overcome a matchup, but this is one where I think you really have to do manage you have to manage expectations. Um, like I said, there's no doubt the Bills' defense is incredible, and he's probably going to get shadow coverage from Tredavious White. Uh, the concern is going to be, you know, how much does that possibly limit him? In the games we've seen him and T.Y. Hilton play, Pittman has also taken a massive step back in his targets and just his overall looks in those games of production. I would be worried. Um Odds of having, you know, three better receivers, Michael Pittman, probably aren't great. Um, he might be more of a flex play than he would be like that wide receiver one we've seen. I believe right now he's a wide receiver seven in PPR scoring. So it's right. I think it's a little bit more managing expectations. The the Colts are gonna have to score to try to keep up with Buffalo. I would play him if I don't have anyone better, but like I said, it's he doesn't bring you the upside that I think he would in a in a better matchup. Good. I always feel better, Tommy, when you agree with me. And when you don't, I I still feel okay. Uh, See, I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse, to be honest. It's, uh, I'm, I'll get back to you after the show when the cameras are off. Uh, Cats, Bill's backfield, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. We're not going to talk about Matt Breida because uh, it's uh, our show and we don't have to. Uh, Fantasy-wise, we're still looking at Singletary and Moss. Breida doesn't seem like the kind of guy that we want to hang our hat on. Am I wrong about that? And if I'm not wrong, do you have a preference of Mass and single, uh, Moss and Singletary going forward, or do you feel like they're just canceling each other out? Whoever scores is the one you wanted to start. My preference with the Buffalo Bills backfield is to just not start any of them. Matt Breida even playing on the 14% of the snaps he did last week, which, by the way, the fact that he played eight total snaps and scored twice is pretty impressive. He actually touched the ball six out of his eight snaps. Uh, That's Cordero Patterson's snap upstairs. 
<laughs> yeah, that's like Blake Patterson when he was playing 30% of the snaps and getting 20 touches. Uh, but yeah, Breida's touch count toward uh, his snap ratio was very high. But that's just, I, I don't see that continuing this week. I think that was a more of a one-time thing. Zach Moss is still the main guy here, but what exactly are you getting from Zach Moss? I know I've, I've kind of ragged on Zach Moss for the better part of two years now. And I, you know, I got nothing against the guy, but I just don't see anything there. L- last week, seven carries, 27 yards, no targets. The week before, three carries, six yards. Before that, eight carries, 19 yards. Before that, eight carries, 24 yards. Like Unless he falls into the end zone, there's nothing there with Moss. Uh, Singletary, his upside only exists when Moss doesn't play. Moss is playing this week. You cannot start Singletary when Moss is active. He only touched the ball eight times last week as well. I'm just avoiding all three of these guys. Good. Great take. Uh, Sticking with you, Cats, Bears, Ravens. Darnell Mooney with uh, Allen Robinson uh, uh, doubtful at this point uh, that we're recording this. Probably won't play. Darnell Mooney, uh, a, a former fifth round. He's a fifth rounder, I believe. This is not a guy who is expected to be thrust into a number one role. Um, and he's going with Justin Fields, who is still getting his sea legs as a rookie. If someone out there has Darnell Mooney, and I'm sure millions of you do, uh, do do you feel comfortable starting Mooney as a 12-plus point receiver this week against the uh, beatable Ravens defense? Mooney is a fascinating one because you say, okay, Mooney is now the number one with Allen Robinson not playing. And you think, okay, well, that means he's getting more targets, right? You should want to start him. But Allen Robinson is still better than Darnell Moody, and Robinson has not done anything all season. Do do we really have confidence that Mooney is going to be better now that he's drawing the top cornerback from the opposing team? I know Tommy has talked about that a lot when it comes to Mooney and how Robinson takes that top corner, which opens things up for Mooney. With Mooney now drawing all that attention, I'm not sure if I'm too excited about starting him, but I do think the volume could be there. He's much more of a floor play than a ceiling play. Okay, that's a good call. Marquise Goodwin could be one of those if you're in a 16-team league. Maybe maybe you go Goodwin and say, uh, let, let the veteran will, will get four catches for 80 yards and make everybody happy. Uh, Rashad Bateman for the Ravens. Tommy, you and I go way back on Rashad Bateman. Weeks. And for you and me, the, as long as we've known each other, when I say way back, it means weeks. So Rashad Bateman. I, I just I'm, I'm having trouble staying excited about Rashad Bateman in fantasy, and I need you to talk me down. Is he a guy that you feel excited about starting, or is he a guy that you go, I'm starting him because I didn't draft well? Uh, I, I still feel comfortable with Rashad Bateman because I mean, anyone who drafted him probably held on to him throughout this entire season, waiting for him to come back when he could potentially become the Ravens' number one. Um, I think there's a chance, like he doesn't have the, like necessarily the upside of Hollywood Brown, and he's not getting the than necessarily the volume that you're seeing like with Mark Andrews, but he's seen six more targets in every single game. He's got a 19.7% target share since he's came back last week. He led the team with 80 yards of uh, 80 yards receiving had eight targets in back-to-back games. The bears are allowing the fifth most fantasy points to receivers and nearly 40 points a game. I I'm kind of all in on Bateman. I still think he's a yeah. solid play. He's a wide receiver three for me this week. I think the Ravens should have wow. no issue scoring points and moving up and down the field. They love to use Rashad Bateman as that chain mover. Like nearly almost like 80% of his targets have actually gone for a first down or some some crazy stat like that. I'd have to wow. look it back up. Um, but he's that guy who's 
he moves the ball and they actually they know he has a diverse route which we saw going back to minnesota to where he can run the in and the outbreaking routes he can be trusted in a contested catch and lamar jackson is starting to really develop that chemistry that you want with your number one receiver i think bateman could still be that for this team so yeah i would i would still have no no issue starting bateman Fantastic. Browns, Lions. I'm going to jump in with the Lions and just say DeAndre Swift was one of my, along with Michael Pittman, two of my unconventional sits for this week. doesn't make sense to sit DeAndre Swift. I get it. I don't think he's going to be a top 18 running back. He had 33 carries last week. Uh, this is a, a, a basically an offense uh, that is going nowhere against the Browns. I can see Swift getting a combined, you know, maybe 35 to 40 yards. Maybe he gets some PPR joy with five or six catches on some dump offs. That's what you're hoping for. But I don't think he gets more than 12 points. Uh, switching to the Browns. And if anyone disagrees, please jump in. I want to make sure we keep moving. Dernis Johnson, if Nick Chubb is back, could Dernis Johnson play the Kareem Hunt role and be a top 16 running back? I mean, he looks like he's the real deal. They're going against the Lions, who I just reminded everyone, not a good football team this year. Can we put our money on – can I say, can any of you say that Dernis Johnson will get more fantasy points than DeAndre Swift? No. No. Okay, just me. So tell me, Dernis Johnson, would you start him as a streamer with confidence? No, absolutely not. Uh, wow. Dernis Johnson in week nine – he had uh, eight carries, 16 yards. That's it. No targets, no passing game work, with, even with uh, Chubb, Chubb there and without Kareem Hunt. I have no interest in Dearness Johnson with Nick Chubb active. Okay. Tom, and, and Tommy's nodding. So we'll yeah, come well, back I'll, to I'll this. I'll let Katz finish. I mean, my, my thing with Dearness Johnson is just what you're hoping for is the touchdowns. You're not taking the ball in the red zone out of Nick Chubb's hands. And, I, and he doesn't have the same receiving chops that Kareem Hunt does. Uh, so for me, I, mean, I think he could be a a high end running back four, um, like a, a very low end flex play, just because the matchup is Detroit Lions. They're not gonna, they're not a good football team. They're not gonna keep Cleveland from scoring. It's just you're hoping maybe at some point in the second half when, hey, look, Nick Chubb, he's coming back. He hasn't had a had had a lot of time to really get get his legs back underneath him since coming back off protocol. Then maybe throw into Ernest Johnson, but it's not someone like I'm excited for. You're just hoping for that that later game touchdown. That is yeah, exactly yeah. That, that's my thinking. I think the Browns are going to play it safe with Nick Chubb, and I think they're going to say, look, yep. if we've got this game in hand by the third quarter, let's just feed Johnson. And I think Johnson's get- Johnson has earned the reps. It's more just how good Nick Chubb is, more than anything to do against Dearness yeah. Johnson. That's fair. Well, I think, I think we all answered that correctly. That was wonderful. Uh, Titans-Texans, anyone for the Titans besides A.J. Brown? Do we start Marcus Johnson as a, as a streamer? Jeff Swain, one of my favorite t- uh, tight end streamers that no one's talking about. No, let's move on. Uh, well, I mean, Jeff Swain was added to the injury report. Uh, he was, yeah. Just I, I, oh, the last I saw, he's I ruled he out. Was, with, he's ruled out with a concussion. Oh my gosh! I will have to. Uh, well, I apologize, folks, for all of you listening. There's a lot of players to keep track of, and that's why there's three of us on this podcast. Do not start Jeff Swain. He's one of my big sits this week. Um, Good call. Yeah, good call. I got Tommy to laugh on that. And uh, don't start I, Anthony Ferkser either. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. It's good to get Anthony Ferkser in the conversation, no matter whether you've got a dinner party, whatever it is, get some Anthony Ferkser conversation going. Brandon Cooks, Houston Texans. Anyone else for the Texans? Uh, uh, Nico Collins. Uh, Katz, I'll throw it to you. Tommy uh, likes Nico Collins. I'm not saying he likes him this week. Just in general, I think he likes Nico Collins, kind of like yeah. I like Jeff Swaim. Uh, Katz, do you think that anyone else in Houston is worth starting, or is it just Cooks or Bust? 
No, it's just Brandon Cooks. I, I also like Nico Collins as a talent, but until they get a real quarterback and until maybe Brandon Cooks goes and Nico Collins can be that one, which I think he can be down the line, there's no fantasy relevance outside of Brandon Cooks on this team. Good. Vikings, Packers, we all know the score. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. It's pretty, pretty clear cut. My question is, Tyler Conklin, has he earned the right to be a weekly fantasy starter at this stage? Uh, or is it still a case where he's, you know, in the top, like Tommy, you like to say the top 10 to 16, where it mm-hmm. could go either way? I mean, Conklin right now, he's the wide receiver. But he's the tight end 11 in fantasy. He's been getting some good looks. I mean, the, the question's always going to come down to to touchdowns. And that's what makes a break a tight end's upside. And when you're the number four option on this team behind Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen inside the red zone, that limits your upside. I mean, as much as we loved him when they talked about, you know, who was going to get the bigger the bigger role after Irv Smith went down, we kind of saw that we knew Tyler Conklin was going to be something. He's just capped in this offense as a later as a streaming option potentially at tight end position. Yeah, he makes sense, but it's just not someone who's going to bring you that that upside that you're necessarily wanting at that position. Great. Good call. Uh, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, A.J. Dillon. We know uh, what those guys are going to do. We think we do. At the very least, we're starting them. Uh, Alan Lazard, doubtful. Uh, does MVS get a bump? Does Randall Cobb get a bump? Are we are we looking at either of those two guys and saying, yeah, if you need a WR3-4, you start one of those guys and you and you roll the dice and you hope. Or do you pass? In a deeper league with MVS, maybe. Outside of that, I'm not too excited on, on much on this offense outside of the, the normal starters. Okay. Not great. with Tommy. There's nothing here beyond the top guys. Good. That that helps. Nice uh, clean break. Jets, Dolphins, Cats, looking at you. Your favorite Jets receiver. Mine is Corey Davis still, even though I wish it were Elijah Moore, but I think Corey Davis is still the number one. Uh, is this a case for you where if someone has two Jet receivers, both those guys, is Corey Davis the safer bet? Or are you getting cute with it and and saying maybe it's Elijah Moore's turn with Joe Flacco at QB? I, I would ask what went wrong that you ended up with two Jet receivers on your team. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, great- I, I agree with you. It's <laughs> it's Corey Davis for sure. I think he's he's definitely the one. Uh, Elijah Moore, despite his great performance a couple weeks uh, back on Thursday Night Football, his snap shift still isn't where it needs to be. It went. It actually dropped from sixty percent on that Thursday night game to fifty six percent last week. Meanwhile, Corey Davis is back to being a near every down player. Eighty four percent snap share last week. Um, he's gotten target counts last four games seven six seven seven. He's still the number one. He's the guy I trust the most, especially with Joe Flacco, who will maybe be less inclined to just check everything down to running backs. All right, fantastic. And if any of you are wondering if you're listening to this at one and a half speed, you are not. This is single speed. We're trying to move all through all these teams, as many players as possible, because we don't want to spend today 25 minutes talking about two players. And you go, I get it. Patrick Mahomes, I get it. Start him. No, we're not going to do that to you. We're going to try to give you as many different players, hit on as many different combinations to help you out. Tua, Tagovailoa, back. Better than ever. Am I right, Tommy? Is he a must-start for a 16-team league? Are you going, of course we start Tua, or is there some risk against the Jets? In a 16-team league? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, you've got plenty of upside there. There's enough question marks of guys behind him and guys that aren't necessarily like as good at matchups where I think you can start Tua. Uh, the Jets, they've allowed three, they've allowed two or more touchdowns in their last five games. They're second in the league in passing yards allowed to like 291, I think, per game. Uh, and they're allowing plenty of points of quarterbacks. 
Tua does have that chemistry with Jalen Waddle. We know what he can do with him and Mike Gazeki. So there's enough there's enough on this team uh, where I think he can play well. And it's more or less just also just how bad the Jets can be at times. They're a very streaky team defensively. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like Tua this week. Like I said, uh, a streaming option if you're wanting in a one QB league. If you're in a 16-team league, then yeah, absolutely starting him. But I would assume at that point he's probably already rostered. Good. Okay. Yeah, that's a, a fair point. Uh, Eagles Saints. Uh, Miles Sanders, if he returns, is there anyone you would trust in the Eagle backfield? Uh, or is this just a cluster uh, that is uh, worth avoiding? Cats, I still I still think that Miles Sanders is probably the guy you should trust most. It is worth noting that Boston Scott and Jordan Howard uh, have produced better than Miles Sanders since Miles Sanders went down. But also the Eagles committed much more to the run over the past couple of weeks, which is interesting timing. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Miles Sanders in terms of a talent. I actually don't think he's much better than either Boston Scott or Jordan Howard, if at all. Hmm. I think the Eagles will be just fine if they stuck with Scott and Howard, but that's not what they're going to do. They were going to put Miles Sanders back in that lead role. I do think Jordan Howard is a threat to steal touchdowns, but if you have Miles Sanders, I don't know if you have a better option. He should at least be an RB3. Okay, and what about Mark Ingram over for New Orleans? Right before we started recording, our producer... Brian Mahaffey, or maybe it was Tommy Garrett, but I always like to mention Brian at least once, uh, mentioned that Alvin Kamara is out. So Mark Ingram, is he a must start? Is it a no question? Of course you start Mark Ingram, or is there some little seed of doubt for this roughly 31-year-old running back that maybe this is the game when he rushes 18 times for 42 yards and gets one catch, and you're like, oh, why did I trust in Mark Ingram? Yeah, I've got no issue starting him. I think he's gonna be he'll be perfectly fine this week. The Eagles aren't that great when it comes to fancy points allowed to running backs. We know he's gonna get the volume with uh, Alvin Kamara out. We saw last week we got work in both the passing game and the rushing game. He's got the chance to find the end zone, uh, especially with Taysom Hill possibly banged up. I'd have to double I'd have to double check and see if if he is playing this week or not. Um, was he is Taysom Hill? Yeah, he's Taysom Hill is questionable. He didn't he didn't practice on Thursday, uh, so that kind of leads even more to me like Mark Ingram inside the red zone. I think he'll be just fine for me. Absolutely locked in wide uh, running back two. Good Panthers Washington, a revitalized Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton will earn, I guess, the first snap uh, from what we've heard. Uh, we know he's starting. We don't know if he's going to play the whole game. Uh, my question is Robbie Anderson, one of my favorite by low guys. Uh, uh, starting uh, pretty much on Monday when I started assessing things and I was talking a little bit to Tommy on the podcast and just looking at the numbers and going, there's nothing here that tells me that Robbie Anderson is going to be any worse than the number two receiver going forward in Carolina. So if nothing suggests he's going to be worse than the number two receiver, then he's presumably no worse than a back-end streamer, you know, top 40 probably on a team like this. Am I missing anything, Tommy? Or do you feel like Robbie Anderson against Washington could be a great play? I think he could be a solid play. Washington gives up a ton of points to receivers. I believe I believe that they're uh, number two in points allowed, just sitting right behind Tennessee, uh, right around like 42 points per game. The thing was with, with Robbie Anderson, it was like that was who came through his touchdown pass, and we know how rare that was for him to do something last yeah. year. So I'm gonna, I don't want to bring too much into it, but there just seemed to be – a little bit of a chemistry that was there between them. Like he was actually up there with him too in the post game press conference. So, I mean, in early games when guys are still trying to find out where they fit on this roster and who he likes the most, I mean, that little bit of a difference might be enough to push him over top of DJ Moore uh, for these next couple of weeks. I still like DJ Moore overall, like as a long term play. I mean, I've always loved DJ Moore, but I mean, Robbie Anderson makes a little bit of sense, assuming Cam Newton can play better than 
these last five or six weeks of Sam Darnold, which I don't think is saying a lot. Uh, the question going to come down to volume. If he gets the volume, then yeah, no problem. I think he's going to have a chance to be wide receiver four, high, a low end wide receiver three, which would be a flex play in fantasy. To start, I think he had like 150 targets last year. I think he started the season yeah. averaging about nine, 10, 11 targets a game for six weeks. Like he was, he was getting the volume. It was just he wasn't getting he wasn't catching the ball. He was yeah, in weeks four he had eleven, he had six in week five, then eleven again in week six, followed by nine and seven. Yeah, so it's this was you know generous usage, but he had the lowest completion rate as we talked about I think on yeah. Monday or Tuesday of any top eighty five uh, fantasy receiver. Uh, that's as far back as I went eighty five to Odell Beckham Jr. back last week. But the point is, I mean, Anderson really has been struggling. You figure he has to turn it around. Antonio yeah, I mean, Gibson. Up until, up until week 10, he had a 35.8% catch, uh, catch percentage. Unbelievable. I, I mean, that is, that is a, I think I looked it up and it was like the lowest since 2018 uh, of any receiver who had had at least, I think it was like 15 targets or something like that, which is, it says a lot. And we're going to get back to In the Mood for Fantasy Football Podcast coming up here in just a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, let's tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. And that is our good friends over there at X Chair. And ladies and gentlemen, if you need an office chair that is super supportive of positive posture, something that's going to be super comfortable when you sit in it, not to mention, what if I told you they throw in a massager and a heating element to it that helps you stay loose while you're sitting down in the comfort of your own home or in the office x chair provides all that action for you and as somebody who has had a lot of issues with sciatica and lower back pain over time this has been something that has completely alleviated some of the pain that i've had x chair is game changing and it is the ultimate office chair that you need in order to feel comfortable sitting at home or at work and you can go to xchairpfn.com now that's letter x chair pfn.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. XCHAIRPFN.com. Uh, Antonio Gibson, cats uh, comes on strong, uh, uh, kind of like a James Robinson last week. Like, you know, you're, you're bracing, you're going, oh, is this, this is not going to go well. And then Antonio Gibson comes through. Uh, is he back? Do we feel like, oh, now we can trust Antonio Gibson again? Or was that just a fluky game for Washington overall that will be a blip on the fantasy screen uh, when this season is over? Do people go back to being very hesitant about starting Antonio Gibson? I think last week's Gibson performance is a bit of a mirage. I'm definitely encouraged by the fact that he was able to handle 24 carries. He does look to be healthier coming out of the bye, but... The reality is he just fell into the end zone twice. He had 64 yards on 24 carries. That is incredibly inefficient. The, what happened last week is it was like a bizarro game. We, we expected negative game script for the football team, and we got the reverse. So instead of getting a heavy McKissick week, we got a heavy Gibson week. This week, that could easily flip, and I think it will. And if the football team's trailing against a good Panthers defense, then we're going to get more McKissick. And that's uh, I, I almost prefer McKissick this week. I, I don't I don't think fantasy managers mm. should be chasing last week's production with Antonio Gibson. Good. I, I really like that take. And you have uh, convinced me uh, in 70 words or less. So thank you. Jaguars versus 49ers. Is there any Jaguar receiver we're starting? And one of my big starts, contrarian starts at the start of the week, if this does not influence you, was Marvin Jones. I do think Marvin Jones can be a good start against the Niners defense this week. I think it, uh, Jones, uh, his his volume has dropped recently as Dan Arnold has picked up, as Jamal Agnew has picked up. But this is a team that 
they're not doing very well. And whenever I see a team that's not doing very well, I think, well, at some point, they'll keep evolving the strategy. Maybe they won't with Urban Meyer. Who knows? But they'll keep evolving the strategy. They'll figure out what, who are we not maximizing the value of in terms of our offense, in terms of, of our playmaking. Marvin Jones is a wasted talent, just like uh, LaVisca Chanel is on that team. And I just think Marvin Jones is due. Is there anyone you would trust, either of you, on the Jags receiving core, or would you just say no? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, the only player I'm looking at starting would actually just be Dan Arnold. Uh, since week five, he's averaging 7.6 targets per game. I'm out. I have Jones as a sit for me this week. Uh, since week three, he's averaging like 3.5 receptions and 40 yards a game. He right. hasn't. He's only scored one touchdown since week two. Um, and he's finished outside the top 50 in five of his last six games. Ever since we saw the trade happen for Dan Arnold, and then we've kind of seen the emergence of uh, Jamal Agnew, he's kind of become an afterthought in this offense. Like early in the season when when Trevor Lawrence needed a deep play or needed a touchdown, right, when they inside, anytime they're inside the 30, he was looking towards Marvin Jones. We just haven't seen that take, take place here recently. I agree with you. Like at some point, it's probably going to change. We might see Marvin Jones play well again. He was one of my favorite signings of free agency. I thought he was one of the best under-the-radar signings. He, he performed phenomenally for Detroit when Kenny Galladay was out, but I just can't trust this Jacksonville team. And if they do change, then great. I have that sitting on my bench, but I'm not willing to risk hoping this is the week that that changes with a guy in my lineup. Yep, great call. Uh, San Francisco uh, with Elijah Mitchell looking doubtful. Jeff Wilson, do you trust him, Cats? And not only do you trust him this week, but is he someone who could actually be a long-term fantasy play because that's the way Kyle Shanahan's backfield often runs? Years from now, we'll be telling stories about the inevitability of Jeff Wilson. This guy always finds his way into fantasy relevance. He's <laughs> third, fourth string the entire time, but you just can't keep Jeff Wilson down. He tore his meniscus before the season started. He's put on IR, and everyone said, you know what? You should stash Jeff Wilson on your IR spot. You know why? Because eventually he finds a way. And sure enough, here we are, week 11. Elijah Mitchell is not going to play. Jermichael Hasty is out. Uh, Trey Sermon, I have Trey Sermon is Joe Williams 2.0. And here we are. Jeff Wilson is not just going to be the lead back. I think he may see the highest snap share of any 49ers back in, in any single game this season. Against the Jaguars, I would call him a must start. Oh, I love that take very much. Raiders, Bengals, Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake. Do you trust both, neither, or one of the above? If I want to have to bet on, if I'm putting my money on one, I'll take Josh Jacobs. I think he says probably has a better chance of finding the end zone, probably lead him also in carries. Uh, they both kind of hurt each other's ceiling. Uh, we've known that since they acquired him, yeah. since they acquired Kenyon Drake in free agency. I'll take the shot on Josh Jacobs, probably as like a lower-end RB2, though, high-end RB3. Very good. Cats, Tyler Boyd. What do you think? Is, is it time for fantasy managers to give up on him? Is this just a Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins offense, and Tyler Boyd is not the um, dare, daring uh, fantasy uh, pick where everyone goes, no, he could be the lead receiver in this uh, in this team. Is the dream over? Or is Tyler Boyd just laying and waiting and he'll get his 1,000 yards when the season's over? Tyler Boyd is a very solid receiver. That's kind of how I describe him, just like solid, like like a modern uh, Jameson Crowder type. He can he'll throw the ball to him, he'll catch it, but he's not exactly a playmaker, which is why when T. Higgins is in the lineup, you just don't see Boyd being used much. This season, Boyd's played seven games with T. Higgins. He's averaging nine PPR fantasy points per game. In the two games without T. Higgins, 17 fantasy points per game. Wow. It really comes down to that. When Higgins is active, Tyler Boyd's not a part of the offense. 
Yeah. Uh, I love those. I love the stats that you all pull out uh, out of thin air. It's incredible. And uh, I just have trouble uh, figuring out where I'm supposed to sit each day. So this the is thing that's, that's actually a little bit incredible about Tyler Boyd is he's seen 19.3% of the targets. This does not feel like a guy who has seen nearly 20% of the targets, especially when he hasn't scored uh, eight or more PPR points in his last five games and has just one touchdown since week three. It's really interesting you bring that up because looking at his target count, his total target count across the season, you've got that we have got nine and 11 in two games, but otherwise there's so many low numbers here. How, how did he get to 19%? Yeah. Good. Well, let's move on. We'll keep it moving. Uh, we'll make that a rhetorical question. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, doubtful uh, for Sunday. There's a lot of coach speak uh, coming out of Andy Reid. Uh, I think we should assume that he will not play. I don't see how he would. Uh, Darrell Williams has looked like uh, a franchise running back in his absence. So my question is not just about this week. If you cl- if you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, is it are we getting close to the point of saying he will not be the starter when he returns, or is that too bold to say that? And is that too bold to think about? And for those having Darrell Williams, is it safe to say, or is it too bold to say that he could be con- continue to be a top twenty four running back even when Edwards Hilaire returns? Can answer it either way, but the point is still the same: Is Williams going to be better than Edwards Hilaire when Edwards Hilaire returns? If I had Darrell Williams, I wouldn't be dropping him because I don't think we know how this backfield will shake out. I will say Derek Gore is nothing, so don't concern yourself with him. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he never profiled as this like electric-type talent. To me, he was always just a replacement-level type guy who was drafted into an elite situation, which is great if the volume is there. Will the volume be there now? This is now his second year in a row where he suffered a relatively significant injury that cost him some time. And he's been outproduced by Darrell Williams in both years. So I'm really not sure if this will be the CEH show or if it'll just be like maybe 60-40 at best, if not 50-50. It's a big question. Tommy, jump in. Yeah. Yeah, my thing would be, uh, I think actually the move you did, BJ, earlier in the season where you consolidated the backfield and you actually traded away both. I think it was, did you trade away? Was it both Darrell Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Yes, yeah, and I got I think, uh, CD Lamb in, uh, in return. Uh, yeah, see, that was the move to make then because it was okay. You could package this team up and just just wash your hands of it. And I feel like that's where I would want to be right now. Like I don't want to have to sit here and try to make this choice between Darrell Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire because they're just going to both cut into each other. Like even if one of these stays as the the RB one, let's say they just keep Darrell Williams as the RB one, you're not leaving the guy that you took in the first round just a couple years ago on the bench. Like he's still going to get his own share of touches. And so it's just no. I think no matter what happens, like you're just going to be disappointed with this backfield moving forward. Like as much as we want Clyde Edwards-Alaire yeah. to be this great player, and granted he was, I don't want to say he was overhyped, but I think he got overhyped by the fantasy community just based off the landing spot thing. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs, I want that running back based off Andy Reid's track record. Like the ceiling for him, like he it was already unattainable. He was never going to live up at that point to expectations unless he just completely pulls off like a Jonathan Taylor esque breakout as a rookie and just takes the NFL by storm. So it's, I think that hangover is still kind of taking part right now in how we mm. view Edwards Alaire. It's probably just going to be a messy running back by committee scenario moving forward. And I just, if you have your tread deadline still approaching, you haven't crossed a trade deadline yet, like find someone who loves Clyde Edwards Alaire and trade him off personally. I would just kind of like wash my hands of this whole situation. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, and that's, that was the biggest fear I had back in whatever it was week five. Uh, it was just, I, I, and in fact, I packaged also Jalen Waddle. So to be fair, I packaged the two Kansas City running backs and Jalen Waddle 
for an underperforming CD Lamb, and then they threw in Mike Davis, and then I packaged Mike Davis, and I got Tony Pollard. So it was, but you know, enough about my fantasy exploits. But the point is, uh, Tommy's exactly right. The time to do that stuff is before the the backfield gets messy. Uh, give people hope that there will be clear lines on the depth chart uh, weeks ahead of time. And, uh, and that's where you get the most value from these guys. Uh, for the Cowboys, Amari Cooper out for week 11. And because they're playing Thursday night, out for week 12, COVID list. Uh, we don't even know whether there's going to be more fallout from this uh, uh, because you know there's no idea with contact tracing, et cetera, whether other players might've been affected. For now, uh, going to you, Cats, Michael Gallup, uh, and I know Tommy's been big on Michael Gallup this year, and and if that's fair to say, Tommy. Uh, Katz, do you think Michael Gallup is approaching that must-start level as a starter against one of the worst pass defenses in the league? One of my toughest personal lineup decisions this week did involve Michael Gallup. And the moment Amari Cooper went on the, on the COVID list, it no longer involved Michael Gallup because he's just the answer. I don't know how you could have Gallup on your roster unless it's a really shallow league and not find a way to get him in your lineup in what is supposed to be the highest scoring game of the week. Who was the other guy? I'm curious who uh, you were debating. It was between Gallup, Kadarius Tony, and Adrian Peterson. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Now, now we know uh, uh, the types of players that Katz likes. Uh, Seahawks Cardinals, Alex Collins. Can I, I do not trust Alex Collins. Uh, I've not trusted him even when he had one great game. Uh, I still said, eh, I still don't trust Alex Collins in fantasy. I don't think he profiles as uh, a top 20 fantasy running back on this team. Uh, am I right or wrong about that? Should anyone feel that compelled to start Alex Collins against the Cardinals? I've been on the, in the camp of if it's not Chris Carson in this backfield, I want nothing to do with it and nothing this season has changed my mind. Like I, I'm staying away from Alex Collins' entire backfield. Great. And Tommy, sticking with you, Arizona, yep. Christian Kirk uh, seems to be the only safe starter in the receiving core, not including you know, Zach Ertz as a tight end. Uh, you, you could absolutely make a play for that. If Kyler Murray is back, he's, he's practiced three times this, this uh, week. I, I think that means he's coming back. I don't think he'd practice three times and, and then sit one more time. This is a huge game against the Seahawks, even though their mm -hmm. record disparity is huge. This is still a game the Cardinals have to win. Uh, and they, they they don't have a good backup option this week. Uh, can you count on Rondell Moore? Can you count on A.J. Green? Or is this just, is it Christian Kirk and James Conner, and that's about it? I think a lot of what's going to happen, like I said, it comes down to Kyler Murray. It does seem like he will play, so at least we, we have the increased floor of this team, whether it was going to be Colt McCoy, whoever's going to be under center. Uh, I think the first play, it's going to be Christian Kirk. That's going to be the obvious the obvious guy you must play. He'll be a... He'll be a probably could be a top 20 guy this week. And behind him, Rondell Moore, just the part that drives me nuts with him is we saw him have this massive game. And we know, okay, Cliff Kingsbury, you can take advantage of this. Mm. And we'll see him get every once in a while some manufactured touches, but it's just he's not just getting utilized enough in this offense for us to to take advantage of in fantasy. Like I granted, like, look, fantasy, we play off what happens in the NFL, right? They're not going to cater to us. So it's he works He works right now. He's a better NFL player than he's a fantasy player, as much as that kind of annoys me because I loved him coming out since he was a freshman at Purdue. Um, and in terms of A.J. Green, it's if he gets those red zone looks, we know he can pull down some of these balls. And he's been better than a lot of people, I think, gave him credit for coming into the season because he had the quietest 100-plus target season I think I can remember. Right now he's sitting at wide receiver 42 in PPR. I'm a big fan of him right now. Um, we'll have to see if he ends up um, – having a good game this week but for right now i think i'll just stick with uh 
with Christian Kirk right now on this team. Very good. Cats shifting to Chargers Steelers. We have two games left, folks. Two games. Mike Williams. I'm trying to make a trade for him. Uh, I've been trying all day. Uh, I've actually been trying for weeks, and I'm glad I haven't been successful. I'm in only one league, uh, but hey, this BJ, guy knows. What's that, Tommy? Before you get going, um, Brian just kind of popped in. We just talked about Seattle, right? I yes. want to bring it back to it. A report coming out uh, from Ian Rappaport. Chris Carson, who has been sidelined with a neck injury, is expected to have season-ending surgery and will be placed on the IR. So wow. we were talking about uh, Alex Collins, and I was saying I want nothing to do with this if it's not Chris Carson. That pretty much just ends my care about this backfill for the rest of the season. Thanks for reporting that, Brian. Thanks so much for letting us know that. And a big shout out to Katz. Uh, uh, sad, uh, uh, sadly, but true, uh, you know, Katz uh, expressed very a lot of concern on our Slack channel a few weeks ago that Carson. It did, he didn't expect Carson to return, given the nature. Mm-hmm. Of That's the just the Slack channel. Injury. I there's uh, I have an article out on his injury update from about three or four weeks ago where I said I did not expect him to return this season. Uh, it's really unfortunate, but it's where we're at. This is a yeah. These are uh, uh, thank you for correcting that. And it was on the website. Uh, uh, this is a you know really tough because Chris Carson is one of those guys. Every year, he can be a you know top. We we always talk about fantasy. We don't want to lose sight of the human aspect of this. He is a fantastic component of the Seattle offense, and he has been for several years. He's just he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and it's kind of a what if situation for the Seattle team that really had their core in place to start this season. And he also uh, just got his contract extension in the off season. Very good point. Um, Chargers Steelers Mike Williams. Uh, I'm trying to negotiate with someone to try to get Mike Williams. Uh, I offered to throw in an extra player, and he said, uh, "Is that Ceedee Lamb's given name?" Uh, which is him getting cute, trying to get Ceedee Lamb from me. The, the point is, uh, uh, Mike Williams, can can we trust him this week? Or is he a Marvin Jones uh, uh, times 10, which is, of course, we know what Mike Williams can do. But let's, to, to Tommy's point, let's just wait until he gets back on track because you don't want to get stuck with eight points again and again and again. I'm well, starting say- every Los Angeles Charger I can this week. Um, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers are known for their defense. TJ Watts out with his knee slash hip injury. Joe Hayden is out with a foot and Mika Fitzpatrick is still on the COVID list. I don't see how the Pittsburgh Steelers can find a way to stop Justin Herbert in this offense. Uh, that includes Mike Williams. I can see this being a get right game for him, especially on primetime. Fantastic. Um, Cats, my, my, counter, my counterpoint would be the last few weeks, uh, the Ravens, Eagles, Vikings, they played the Raiders a couple weeks back. None of those were super imposing uh, yeah. situations for Mike Williams and he's done nothing. Uh, I, I know, I know that obviously his four of his first five weeks were just absolute smashes, but we had a 56 game sample size of who Mike Williams is. And then we had four games that made us think maybe, maybe he's not that I, I'm more inclined to think that he's that guy that we saw for the first 56 games of his career, unless and until he proves otherwise. Mm-hmm. And to add a little wrinkle to this, Justin Herbert, oblique injury, uh, uh, he's been dealing with this week. I haven't seen as of late Friday afternoon if he's still on the injury report, but that's been one thing holding up trade negotiations in my fantasy league, which is I just want to make sure Justin Herbert is okay. Um, because if he is less than 100%, and Justin Herbert has looked less than 100% in recent weeks. That is obviously uh, has a direct impact on Mike Williams. Uh, Chase Claypool, expected to be back. Uh, is at least practicing again for the Steelers. If he is back, should fantasy managers care or do they move on? Cats, what do you think? Chase Claypool. 
I have Chase Claypool on one team, and like he's just nowhere near even a consideration for me to start. I just, I, I we 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 salivate over what could be with Claypool, but even with Ben Roethlisberger, Claypool needs that quarterback that can push the ball downfield. Yeah, you know Ben's not that guy, and Mason Rudolph just, I mean. The guy shouldn't be starting in the NFL. We all know that. He's 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 barely a career backup. It's unfortunate, but Claypool's caught three or fewer passes in four games this season. He had that one 15-target game, but otherwise, it's it's just a series of games where he's not getting to 50 receiving yards. He has one touchdown on the year. or Well, one receiving touchdown, one rushing touchdown. I, I don't know. Sorry, I'm wrong there. One receiving touchdown. No rushing touchdowns. That was an error in my stats there. Uh, I just I don't want to start Claypool this week. Yeah, good. Okay, and finally, Monday Night Football, Buccaneers-Giants. Rob Gunkowski, some fantasy managers out there who are listening to this podcast are probably going through that that calculus. Do we just start a tight end on Sunday, who we know can get us a few points, or do we roll the dice and hope that Gronk plays on Monday? Uh, if you do not have a type eight, top uh, eight tight end uh, rostered, but you do have Gronk, uh, do you go rush out and find someone who can get you six to 10 points, maybe a cheap touchdown, or do you roll the dice and hope that Gronk plays Monday night? Tommy. Yeah, I think if it was me, as much as I love the upside of Ron Gronk, Rob Gronkowski and what he would bring, I think I'd want to guarantee myself the points. I would probably look for someone that's already, I know was going to play someone like we talked about earlier, like with a, uh, a Tyler Conklin, I can yeah. make sense of him, uh, a CJ Uzoma. I could actually yeah. see being a little bit of a sneakier play this week. Um, Friar Muth has obviously moved well past uh, streamer consideration. Um, yeah. Zach Ertz might be out there maybe for a couple people. Um, I think I would probably just look for someone else. Like I said, Gronk has that two-touchdown upside. We know that. But he has that floor of, okay, he only gets one catch uh, and doesn't find the end zone. So I think for me personally, I'll take the and guaranteed points early. rather than waiting. Yeah, he, he's also an exit early candidate, and that, that yeah. should make people nervous. Uh, he really is the, the prototypical boom bust. Um, finally, Katz, you get the final word, Saquon Barkley. Um, if he is back, uh, should he be in 100% of lineups, 50% of lineups, or 10% of lineups? If you've been sitting on Barkley this long and you've managed to survive without him, you finally get him back after he's missed – four weeks plus the bye with a with a low ankle sprain, which typically only costs guys two to three weeks. It's just they were extra careful with him. I really think he's going to come back healthy. I don't know how you sit Saquon Barkley if he comes back this week. I know it's a tough matchup against the Bucks. We saw how it could go right, though, last week with Antonio Gibson. Barkley could easily have 20 carries, even if he only gets 60 yards. He's got to fall into the end zone once. That's all he's got to do, and we, and we know that can happen. It happened with Gibson. It can happen with Barkley. I've got him on a team. Same team with Gallup, actually. I'm starting Barkley. Fantastic. Big thanks to Katz, Jason Katz. Uh, big thanks to Tommy, Tommy Garrett. I just felt like I, I needed to say the name twice because I did it for Katz. And then I'm BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. You can find us, profootballnetwork.com. You can find our podcast three days a week uh, or any day a week you want to tune in. Uh, and uh, really, good luck this weekend. I mean, we're all going through, as I say this every week, we're going through the same stuff you are, the same start, sit, questions the same kind of calculus and uh, what's the upside what's the downside we are here to give our two cents anytime reach out on twitter reach out on facebook uh, reach out anywhere you want uh, and we will share what we think and at the end of the day all we can say is good luck with the decisions you make have a great weekend